Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. I'm excited today because we're going to be talking about something that I don't normally talk about. I've talked about it a few times. I've got Jason on the show. Welcome, Jason. Hey there. Um, How are you? Yeah, I'm glad to have you back from Dad's University. We're going to focus on dads today. We're going to be talking about the the father journey, which I think is very unique and separate if we were to stereotype. But I think, you know, <laughs> we can. I know. Different. Just give a disclaimer. We're going to be doing a lot of stereotyping on today. Yeah. And there are outliers who aren't going to fit into the the struggles that we're talking about or the, you know, the benefits that come with being a father versus a mother. So we're going to be talking in generalities, but there's always people who aren't fitting in those things. But I think it's a good discussion to have because often, you know, as parents, as as mothers, we get really frustrated with our kids or their journey. And then we get upset with our partners because they're not doing what we want them to do from a maternal perspective. So I'm going to dive into that. Before we get started, though, I do want to let people know that this podcast episode is sponsored by NoCD. Uh, NoCD offers affordable, effective, convenient therapy. They're available in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. You can schedule your free 15-minute consultation to see if NoCD is a right fit for you and your child. Just go to treatmyocd.com. I will leave links in the show notes. Got to mention NoCD because they are providing therapy for kids globally. So that's a really good gift for all of us. Yeah. So Let's first jump in. Maybe you can just initially explain. I've already had you on the podcast before, but it's been quite a while. Yeah. If you can tell people what you do, and then we'll dive into this meaty topic. Sure. So I run daduniversity.com. And basically, that is a membership site that offers courses, videos. We have discussion forum. We do some broadcasts on helping dads become more calm and confident. And so Part of that as well. I mean, I I do YouTube videos and now on TikTok and other social media. Wow, you're hipper than me. Helping you know, helping dads uh, learn more and look at it from a you know, as we'll talk about here, a father's perspective. It is one father's perspective. I talk about some of the things that I've had with difficult or difficulty with. I also try to not talk about what I don't know, and then uh, just kind of stick to my experiences and the things that I have done pretty well. You know, I have two kids. I have a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old, a 12-year-old girl and a 14-year-old boy, and feel like they are fairly well-adjusted, confident, contributing members of society. So we'll see how that shakes out. But uh, so far, so good. I'll knock on wood somewhere around here. Yeah, I'll knock on wood for you. Yeah. I've got my dog that's barking. Hopefully, you guys can't hear it too much in the background. But, you know, (laughs) life is happening out here. Uh, Yeah, I feel like you're like the dad version of me. You know, you've got your podcast, YouTube classes and membership, which is like yeah. what I do too. And so you're kind of the the dad support out there. A lot of the topics that I deal with are, you know, I, I do talk a lot about mindfulness and the mental aspect of fatherhood, more so of ourselves. So while there is some techniques and tools and things about dealing with the child, a huge breadth of the material is about dealing with ourselves. And and the reason for that is my own journey. I was, you know, I'm a recovering yeller. I used to, you know, get really angry and upset at things and take things personally and and just worked really, really hard and learned a lot in order to not 
be as much that way. You know, I'm still still on that journey and that's part of it too. So yeah, and we're all human. I mean, we're all gonna have issues, but you know, that moments that we don't like. But you're bringing up something that's a great place to start, actually, is that I do feel like just basing it on my therapy practice and working with so many couples and and families and parents, that a lot of times dads will personalize things. They'll get angry or they'll take things personally when things are, are not working out. Maybe we can talk about that. Cause I do think mindset's a huge beginning step for parents in general. Yeah. I mean, I know the anger part of like, let's say when our kids are acting out or they're doing something, the anger part is often, I mean, it's a couple things. It's us not feeling like we have an answer, <laughs> you know? So it's our own frustrations. And I, I mean, I know that that was for me. I was like, how am I going to solve this? Like, so that can actually go, I mean, we can go deeper into that obviously, but that's like the not feeling good enough, not knowing what to do, not, you know, and as a man, always feeling like I have to solve a problem. I always have to have an answer. I always have to be the solution guy. And, you know, that can manifest itself in anger. Like it's just not feeling good enough. And, and I know that that for me, for sure, that's how it was. I, I came from a good family. I had this great wife. Like, why is my kid acting this way? Like, you know, like I should be able to handle this. I should be able to do this. This, you know, and so then there's this sort of spiral effect that goes into play. I mean, I think that's a big one. And it's, and it's just the admitting, maybe I need to learn more. Like, it's okay that I don't know how to do this. I, I'm learning as I go, you know? And and as my kids have gotten older, it's 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 amazing because then I can actually speak to them and admit to them that I don't have the answer. And sometimes we talk about that. Like, hey, what do you think I should do here? You know, yeah. or what what would help you in this situation? Like, you know, and you you start to to realize that like you can have those kinds of discussions with your children. Like, I don't have to have all the answers. And so I think that starts very young. You know, you see the kid act out. I know it was for me. And then of course, I don't know if maybe for my wife would have to ask her, but you know, her seeing that I'm the answer guy and subconsciously being like, well, why, why don't you know how to solve this one? Yeah, I mean, she yeah. she didn't necessarily do that, but I I could see how that dynamic could happen. Well, I think you're, you know, you're tapping into something like there's there is a societal pressure and expectation, which is antiquated, that the man should should have all the answers, like in general, you know, if we're just speaking yeah, yeah. In, in generalities. And so I do feel like I see a lot of dads approaching parenthood in the same way they would approach a math problem or a computer issue at work or an accounting issue. It's like, here is the problem. A B equals, yeah. Right. What's the C? Where's the solution? And then hitting that wall because kids will throw you that curveball and feeling maybe emasculated or feeling demeaned or feeling hopeless, whatever emotion is brought up. And I think sometimes partners don't see that the the depth of that anger or that depth of that frustration to well and they're dealing with their own lack of right. and feeling that so it's kind of like it's a double whammy i mean you're you have two people feeling like they're not good enough that they can't do this they can't rely on the other to solve it and you're kind of like what do we do <laughs> yeah and i think what happens in the anxiety and ocd world is a lot of dads tap out and I know that's what my husband did. He was just like, and I'm sure it was 10 times harder for him because one, you know, he was in law enforcement. So he had that kind of mentality. And two, you know, his wife is a therapist, like, and he would say that too, sometimes like 
the pressure is on when your wife is a specialist. But I mean, most people aren't dealing with that aspect. But I think a lot of dads tap out and say, you know what, this is your area. Some of them truly articulate that, like this is your area and this is my area. And others just, you know, mentally tap out and then it can impact relationships and marriages. Yeah. Well, and it for sure impacts the child. I mean, that's the, right. you know, that's the ultimate is like the lack of participation. I, I just did a post talking about that where, you know, just the sheer lack of participation from dads. I mean, yes, we're getting better and yes, there's a movement, but in general, the amount of participation is just less. And it's, and it's just, I don't know why that's okay or where that happened, you know, where that started from. But our, you know, our children need their dads and they need, you know, they need that, that part, even if the dad doesn't know how to solve something, like they still need them there, you know, as, as that, that support and just knowing that safety, you know, that's something that dads can provide. So, yeah. And then you're right. I mean, the tap out is a common thing. I mean, that's, that's why I do what I do. (laughs) Right. And I think, I think the, the missing piece, and you know this more than I would, but I think the missing piece is it's not from the dad perspective, I don't want to participate or I don't want to help you. It's, I am having some holes in my skill set, like, and I don't know what to do with that. And to even, like you said, you own up and you say to your kids, which I love, but, and it's modeling humbleness, you know, is what should I do here? Or I don't know what to do to help you. You know, I think it's such a, a beautifully humble and even as a quote expert, people talk um, to me and they ask me a question and I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, I didn't study that one. You know, somebody asked me about introducing your uh, baby to a pet, you know, and I can infer kind of what you should do. It's like introducing you to another child. But like, I never did that. I can't talk about that. I can't. I I could. And I could say, hey, listen, this is what I would do if if I was in that situation. But right. I've never had that. And it, getting to a point too, maybe it's of confidence or I don't know what it is of being okay with not knowing. Right. That in general, just that general and not knowing anything, whether I'm at work, whether I'm at my house, whether I'm talking to my wife, like it's okay not to know. It's in fact, it's better to admit that you don't know than to pretend that you do. And I think it gives someone a little bit more validity to be like, you know, he he knows what he knows, you know, and I'm the same way, you know, just because I'm a therapist doesn't mean I know how to handle eating disorders or, I mean, I stay very narrowly in my field. And I think it's a good humbling and also like a credible thing to say, I'm, I'm Stick confident. What I know. Say, yeah. Right. I mean, I have no idea. This is what I would do as a parent, but I have no idea. And I think sometimes dads struggle with that. The confidence level of oh. right. Showing that vulnerability to their kids can be overwhelming. And also I want to go back kind of switching topics a little bit as I'm going to make this statement, but mm-hmm. also there's something not hundred percent right with my child, you know, my child in my, in my audience, right. The child has anxiety or OCD. There's something going on. And there's that knee jerk reaction to get angry. You know, if you could just be more authoritative or if you can just punish this, there's you can't blaming, control it. right. Cause there's no control. So it's a lot of externalizing. Not always. I've worked with amazing dads who do not yeah. do this. We're speaking about those that struggle, you know, there'll be the externalizing of what will people think, right? It's embarrassing, right? And more embarrassing for the dad sometimes than the, I mean, it's embarrassing all around, to be honest, you know, having three kids with OCD, but I think kids without OCD is embarrassing. 
You know, right, like kids in general, like it's hard enough when there's not an issue that is real, that you're just dealing with a child of a certain age mm-hmm. and it's embarrassing the way that they act or the way that they're doing something. But it's really not that like, you know, we make that's why I said with with a lot of things that we do, we feel like it's so personal or that it's a reflection of us. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you a story when when I was younger, my mother, who was amazing, she was an author and seminar speaker on relationships. And so she was literally an expert in communications and wrote successful books and everything. She would do things that would embarrass me. So like, not on purpose. She just, it's just the way that she was talking to her and demanding something or, you know, whatever it was. And as a teen or even younger, I was so embarrassed of her all the time. And she finally like, looked like brought me over and she goes, let me explain something to you. When I like yell or I'll do something and you're so embarrassed, guess what? They're not thinking, how is this young kid with this person? Or how how does he, you know, like they're looking at me. Mm-hmm. They're worried about me and my actions. Now, with parent-child, you know, that can sometimes be a little bit different because when the child is acting out, people will look at the parent and go, you know, what's right. going on here? But we often think so much that people are judging us or looking at us. And oftentimes they are not, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And they don't get the, you know, they don't have the full picture. And so, you know, sometimes it is, I mean, I know I'm a recovering socially anxious person and I've had to develop thick skin with my kids and their struggles. People aren't going to understand that. They're not going to understand. Well, try posting on social media and realize how you have to have thick skin. You know, oh yeah, no, I got that quite early on. <laughs> Post on YouTube or TikTok or something. I mean, people are ruthless. Oh, they are, especially behind a keyboard. I mean, I almost <laughs> had to like say I like, laugh. No, I mean, I I just laugh. My kids actually will read comments and go, Dad, did you see what this person wrote? And then what's even better is like, wow, they must be struggling. <laughs> Which is great to you know, show your kids, right? Because like, my kids have learned, you know, if somebody's lashing out, it's their own issue. And so it's it's good to see, you know. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. It's it's character building for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have a an audience of moms and dads, but I think a lot of moms listen to this more than dads. And I wonder, and I've done this in, I have a, self, a free self-care series that I do like twice a year. And part of that conversation is like how to help your marriage and, you know, your partner, like you need to be an aligned team because otherwise your kid can divide and conquer, especially with anxiety or OCD. They'll go to the other parent, you know, and so either the dad will be, and not all dads, I'm just saying the dads that we've struggled with, you know, too authoritative with the anxiety or OCD, we're going to squash this, too blaming to the mom, you know, like this is your fault, you're coddling your child, or not going to do the skills that they're being taught in therapy, or just checked out, and or just angry, or, you know, I'm not going to do any of this stuff. And they actually wind up accommodating the anxiety or OCD, because they just want, it's like, just wash your hands, that's all she wants, or, you know, just do this. And it's, you know, the other partners learning, no, we can't do that, even though we're going to have to deal with the screaming and the tantrum. That's the part that we can't do. And so I think sometimes women get blinded by just the outward behavior, like we were already talking about. I wonder what are some steps that they can do to like help communicate with their partners in a more effective, conducive way? Yeah, I think, you know, the last time when we had talked, one of the things I, and it's, it's probably one of the most effective ways of getting somebody to do something, which is really hard to do. I mean, you know, when somebody believes really strongly or they have a strong opinion, it's very, very difficult. You know, if the father has a very strong opinion on how something should be handled, 
it's very difficult to sway that in some way. The one thing that I will say is that positive reinforcement, when you see any glimpse of the type of behavior that you want to repeat. So if for the wife, if she sees the, the father act in a certain way, that's like, she's kind of surprised, or maybe, you know, he did what she would have done as well, is to really make a big deal about it. You know, we all, but men especially, thrive on positive reinforcement. And so this, I, and, and I mean, I dare say even hamming it up over, like giving him some more affection and be like, oh my, you don't understand how much that was really just, that was so helpful. Like, and men will say, well, maybe I could do that again. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit manipulative for some people, but at the same time, you know, showing that appreciation too, of just, hey, I really appreciated the way that you did this, you know, with your daughter today. Like that just was so helpful to the situation. Or, you know, and and when you do things like that, it'll resonate quite a bit with him. Great. Cause I think, you know, we're all human and I think everybody operates from that. You know, when your boss tells you, I really like the way you showed up on time, I really like the way you yeah. took the effort on that report, or with my daughter recently. When out of my way to say, I really like the way that you put like a new toilet roll on the toilet thing, you know, because like, how often does that happen? And I think as humans in general, we don't, it's, we don't not, our, it's not our baseline to praise positive behavior. It's our baseline to, to see the problems. And actually this, my daughter was saying this, this isn't about husbands, but she was saying this yesterday, maybe the day before she's like, all you ever say, she's 10 going on 11, going on 55, you know, and right. all you ever say is like what I do wrong. Cause like. I was like, the art area needs to be cleaned up and this needs to be. And I went over, I was like, I complimented you on the toilet roll the other day, clearing your plate, getting ready before school. But I think. They hear, they hear the negatives, obviously a lot, you know. They do. But I do. Ratio though, because, you know, they should be hearing more positives. And even if it's a negative, how can we turn it into a positive as well? That's the hard trick, you know, is to, because I do the same. It's clean up this. Why? You never clean up this. You're always leaving your stuff. You're, you know, wait till they, it's a couple more years. It it, it, it keeps going. But we Uh, do that with partners too. And so I don't think it's manipulative. I think it's like, you know, it's just human nature to like highlight, you know, you shouldn't talk to him that way. Or like, you know, you're going to shut him down or we weren't supposed to do that. Well, then pointing out the negative really doesn't change behavior at all. You know, when, when was the last time when somebody yelled at you or talked to you and told you something negative, you're like, oh yeah, you're right. You know, that's not the attitude. You say, don't talk to me like that. Or how dare you come at me like that? Like, we don't change behavior when someone's nagging, you know, talking to us negative or complain. I mean, complaining. I'm a recovering complainer, too. Mm -hmm. My wife was, she was like, listen, complaining is not going to get, I mean, she was the one who helped. Like, it's not going to get me to change X, Y, or Z. Like, tell me the positive explain what it is that you want, you know, what's going to work and let's move forward. What can we do about it? Like, oh, wow. I didn't realize, you know, so that's don't complain. Don't, you know, certainly bring up all the negative. You never help out with the child. You do, like, there's zero value in that. Go vent that to your friend or something. Telling him what he's doing wrong is not going to work. It's really just, and in fact, kind of ignore that focus on the positive things and yeah. 
it's a, it's huge. It's huge with children too, but yeah. And um, I think that that's good advice. It seems obvious, but we, I mean, how often do we actually really do that? <laughs> I think it also like looking at where it's coming from a deficit, you know? And so I know my husband used to always say, and it really annoyed me actually at the time, but it was true. He'd say, I'm just not good at this emotional stuff. I'm just not good at this. I'm really so good at work. Himself. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I think what upset me the most about it was like, it was like a finite, it was like, it was like the end. There's like a period at the end of that sentence. Like it wasn't like there was any wiggle room of like, you can evolve and you can grow. Cause I would say, I get that. I'm getting better at this stuff or I'm, I need some, or I'm going to be improving that stuff. Yeah. Right. Or how can I help you with that? You know, I get that it's not innate. It's not innate for a lot of men. And I think that's something that us as women may get frustrated with because we assume that it's innate for everyone. And I'm so like, he was an idiot savant with everything else. Like, I mean, off the charts with math and computers and, you know, that all of that stuff. But like, to me, it's like, it's intuitive to know when someone's upset <laughs> or like, it's intuitive of what you say. Like, and so, I mean, it's hard for, it was hard for him, I'm sure, because I'm like an idiot savant with emotions. Right, and so right. we both came from two very different worlds. But I think a lot of us who are good at that stuff assume that it is just common sense, how you talk to someone when they're upset, how you approach problems. And totally, I think that there is a big gap for a lot of men who didn't get that emotional coaching growing up. No, and that's where empathy comes in. You know, that that's where, you know, for your partner, the empathy for your partner and understanding like, Look at it from their perspective and understand, like, if you had zero knowledge of this, wow, like, he really doesn't understand this. Like, he does, he's not doing it to avoid it. He's not doing it to, to be a jerk. He's not doing, you know, he really doesn't get it. And that's, you know, that's something that you got to start, you know, to start with and have those conversations. So, yeah, I, I do think, you know, I do think that another, you know, another piece I, I recently was taking some courses on self-compassion. I can't speak for women, but I know that at least for myself and many other men that I know, self-compassion is not, it's not in the vocabulary at all. Yeah. How we act. We we don't, and this kind of goes along with the vulnerability and like not good enough. We just never think that it's okay to not have the answer or you know, or be upset or to feel these emotions. And so that, that self-compassion thing was huge for me, a sort of a wake up of realizing these certain times in my life, like, you know, my, my mother passed away or that, you know, you're going through something that's really, really difficult, just acknowledging that it's really difficult. And so I think even with this situation, when you have a child that is diagnosed with something that is real and it is, can be challenging giving yourself some compassion. So instead of saying, well, I should be able to handle this. I'm strong. I can do anything. It's no, no, no. This is a very, very difficult and time-consuming issue that I am going to have to face. It's not easy. I have to give myself co some compassion, some grace, some, you know, and think about that's how it is. And, you know, there's other people. And that's the other part of it is like, there's other people that have this issue there. I'm sure it's difficult for them too, but so that little self-compassion piece, I think for men and kind of maybe if there are the women listening who have that for them because what they need it to can maybe help the man realize that, that like self-compassion is an important thing. You know? Yeah, it is huge. Yeah. And it's a very big part of the parenting journey. And I, I 
agree with you. I think for men, it might be even harder because of just the way this society is set up. You know, I feel like, and hopefully this is changing over time. Hopefully we're raising, you know, little humans to have more (laughs) emotional intelligence and vulnerability. I hope my son will be more emotionally vulnerable, but that's not how it was in the past. And so for women, we can have that grief of our child was diagnosed with this or that embarrassment that like we went out to the restaurant and our child couldn't function or whatever, but we can talk to our girlfriends about it. I can go on Facebook and join a million Facebook groups instantly and find a million women who are going to support me. I feel like men have another layer that you're filling the gap in because even if they're like, yes, Jason, I agree with you. All the things you're saying are so true. They're resonating with me. I never realized it, or I haven't vocalized that with my partner or with myself even, but I'm not going to talk to my buddy about this while I'm playing golf or, you know, my coworkers. Like I don't have a relationship like that with, I mean, maybe some, some people are fortunate enough to have that one guy friend. It takes your own strength to be able to do it and open up and you'd be surprised because it's kind of a relief, you know, and I've had, I have some friends like that where I probably felt scared. I probably felt like, okay, wait, they're going to judge me in some way, whatever. But then in the end, when I actually do open up to them, they're like, oh man, that must've been rough. You know I mean? Like, you know, it's cleared. Like, you know, you've cleared the pathway for the water to run through. It's like, it just takes you and the confidence and the sort of tenacity to just say like, I need this. It's going to be good for me. I have to tell somebody. And if you don't have a friend, then you do go to a therapist or you do something. But yeah, it's just, it's stepping up and doing it and knowing that like, ultimately you are going to be better off as a result. Of it. Yeah. Yeah. And taking so it's still that selfish. <laughs> well, you know what? Yeah, we can do that. Self-love. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's all about self-love, not selfish, you know, and right. then we're a better person. And when we're a better person, then we're better able to show up for our marriage, our relationships and and our kids. I think it all the work always starts with ourselves, whether we're talking about moms or dads. I think the work always starts with ourselves, but I think it's harder for men to maybe acknowledge that and then to find that help. So I want to pivot and talk about the gap that you're filling in as well because I am seeing more father supports online, not nearly as many as women. Oh my gosh, you know, but yeah. I love that you're creating some resources for dads. So you have a podcast. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 I mean, the podcast has been going for years. We've sort of done little things here and there and have taken breaks and go back and stuff. Consistency has been the videos, you know, the YouTube videos of just, you know, tons of resources. And then the latest thing is just putting all of my courses and videos and all of the content, as well as having a place to discuss it in one area. And that's like, you know, that's the membership at, at the website. And it's, it, you know, it's interesting. I came up with the model, but it's, you know, pay what feels good. So I, that. I think that's really interesting. I have never seen that before. Yeah. It, it, well, it, and it came about in all these different ways and sort of the universe, but basically, cause I, I was initially looking at doing something that was sort of high end, high touch. I wanted to help each person. And I'm realizing, I mean, there are those people out there, but it was just like kind of a trickle. I have to be involved in it all the time you know, just looking at it from a business perspective, it can be rewarding both, you know, talking with the people one-on-one and then also the financial aspect. But I realized I'm best at providing the content, teaching, if you will, you know, versus like a one-on-one session. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, you know what, people have, and, and I did some experiments and people were all over the place with what they think it's worth, you know? 
some guys will pay anything to have something fixed. And then other people are like, you know, I'll pay a dollar, you know? And so I thought like, why not just let people choose? And it has been all over the place. I it's bet. really interesting. Yeah. It's just, it allows you to choose what you feel the value is. And then from a marketing standpoint, I actually get to then see what do people really value this at? You know, because if I just made it $49 or $9, like, I feel like I've kind of limited. I, I don't know. I don't know what would have happened. And so this was just an opportunity to try and I have the ability to do it. So yeah, and I love that. And I do feel like, you know, what what is $30 a month for one family is very different than what it is for another family. And so you can have a person who who values it very highly, but things are so tight, but they can yeah. they can afford sacrificing one meal out and paying for that that monthly subscription. Also, I'm finding globally, you know, that it's so different. That does uh, because my audience is all over the world. The value of the U.S. dollar is very different in different places. So the idea that, you know, I mean, I did a Zoom with someone who was on a small island in the, I mean, I don't even know what country it was. I didn't even know how he had internet. He's like in this little chat, you know, and he had requested some things. And so I said, hey, I'll do a chat with you. And you could tell like every dollar would have mattered. You know, this person did not have a lot of money. And so I didn't want to deprive them of, there's one thing of giving it away for free, which is mm -hmm. I do that with YouTube and I do right. that with things, you know, but this is specifically produce things. And so there's some financial aspects involved, but still giving them the ability to choose. And yeah, it's been great. It's been great. It's been rewarding. Yeah. It's been interesting. I, love that. I think that from is from a business perspective. But yeah. yeah. No, I did. I have a life coach and that I got after my husband passed away and, and she has that model. You know, it was like, pay what you want. And I remember being like, so uncomfortable. I was like, I don't know what to pay you. And I said, what's the most I can pay you? Because I'm in a position where I just valued her so much. And I wanted to make sure that I paid her as much as, you know, that it showed that because I can afford it. But it was funny because I mean, I could pay her like $10, you know, she would be okay with that. And so it's right, like right. where you put that value. Well, I, I found that it ended up at first, I just had it completely open-ended and I saw, was kind of monitoring that and saw that a lot of people got confused like that. And so I ended up just putting a bunch of amounts down. Yeah, and that does help. Has helped. Like people can then just choose from like $1, $5, $9, you know, $19. They can choose from these different amounts. And it actually seems like that's worked better because then they can, you know, they see what the average price is. And some people want to be that average. Some people want to be a little above it. Some you know. Right. And I always want to pay. I always want to appreciate someone's. I always want to pay above, but you never know where yeah. that is. So what do people get with the membership? You talked about videos. Yeah, the biggest the biggest thing is probably the courses. And so that's right now, I think we're on our eighth course. We're launching the next one, hopefully this week, where we have scheduled for this week. And that one's about avoiding common dad mistakes. And so I go into detail about mistakes we make with girls and mistakes we make with boys, how to fix them. But the other ones of, you know, finding work-life harmony, communication, discipline, mindset, like it's kind of covering the whole gamut. And then that's the plan is I'm going to continue. I mean, I've got plans for tons of more courses. And so there's additional courses. And then all of my videos I've almost ever done have been stripped down, organized, no promotional stuff. There's all just, just the meat. Those have all been organized into different subjects and different things. And, and so like a whole library discussion, they can have discussions and between members and, and have that. And I participate in that as well. So so with the community aspect, so there's like this, 
information consuming. And I, I find, I'm sure that you do too, because we have kind of a similar model, business model. People join my membership for all sorts of reasons, you know, and there's so much there. Like my online school is separate from my membership. So they get mm-hmm. gifted access to some of my classes, but that's not the meat and potatoes of it. I mean, I do like live classes each week. That's separate. But I find, because there's there's so many different things that there's different types of members. Like some people just want to consume things without engaging yeah. a community. They want to like just soak up. Men are like that. A lot of <laughs> Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And I have other members who like, they join the member only Facebook group and they don't realize like that is such a small component. Right. They have access to all this other stuff. So everyone needs something different. And I would think a lot of men would just want to soak up that knowledge. Yeah, and, and there's there's people who have joined just to support me. Like yeah. they see what I'm doing. They don't, they, they feel like they've already consumed all the content or they, you know, they've taken the courses or they've taken, and they're like, no, I just want them to support you. I mean, that's great too. You know, they said, we want to spread this more into the world. And so, yeah, it goes that whole gamut. There's the guys that want support. There's the guys that want to be taught. There's the guys that just want to know that if they need somebody at some time, they can have it. It's like security. There's just, there's all kinds of different. And and as a marketer on my other, in my other world, you know, that's hard to cater to. You know, and so I kind of solved that problem by just saying, you pay what you feel like, you know, versus somebody paying a certain amount and going, well, I really only want the courses. Right. Right. If I only want the courses, then can I just pay this much? And so, like, just from a business standpoint, I just wanted to simplify everything and just be like, listen, pay what you want to pay. You get access to everything. Yeah. Which is gracious of you. So, with the community aspect, how do they connect? So the community, there's kind of two aspects. There's one where it's a forum, like where you can post and then people can reply and and I'll reply and such. And then the other is sort of live broadcasting. So where member only chats with me, and we do that once a month where they can come in, have a Zoom call with me and then post questions or answer, you know, ask and answer questions. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Very similar to mine. Yeah, it's very similar to mine. Bulletin board forums and then... yeah. Yeah. I mean, if there's other things I can do, I'll do them. I just, there's only so many. Yeah. Know, do, you have like a, do you have a member only Facebook group or are you not on Facebook? No, no, I haven't done that. There's some reasons for that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, Facebook isn't probably my preferred platform. Yeah. Both I, just professionally and personally, but. <laughs> not my yeah. platform personally either. <laughs> you know, there I, I do have a group and people have. Uh, there is a group on there, but it's not something I'm active on. And I mean, people join it all the time and post and do things, but I, it's not something that I, I probably should monitor it more. Well, uh, and I wonder if that's just not, I mean, and I have no idea. I just wonder if that's not the avenue for a guy anyway. I don't know. Well, I mean, we can have that That's more of maybe of a, of a business and targeting discussion. It, it's, oh. there's different aspects of it. So for, for probably the last couple of years, it's changed a little bit now, but Facebook has been very difficult to have organic success on. In other words, like you'd have you have to pay to play. In other words, like if you want people to see your content, if you post, you have to pay for that to happen. That has changed a little bit now because so many people have left, you know, gone on to other networks that brands aren't posting as much. There's not as much noise. And so you can actually reach people a little bit more. Then it goes to what is the audience there? And for me, you know, I can tell you my, my sort of marketing plan is though, you know, I'm reaching younger people. My plan is to reach younger people. And part of that is that, you know, people who are thinking about being parents, people who are just parents, 
And so like right now I'm, I'm heavy into TikTok. We have a huge TikTok strategy. Yeah. Well, and and it's interesting because I've been learning, I've been learning the algorithm for the last like probably month and really studying it. I've had, you know, consultants and like, I'm, I'm really trying to understand it. And so we just launched a video in like the format that we're doing and such. And in the weekend, it had 250,000 views. So crazy. Yeah. TikTok is crazy. Yeah. I mean, we went from like zero to 7,000 followers in a weekend, you know, that's crazy. I just don't have the bandwidth for all this. It's, it's just a different animal, you know, it's just different, but for me too, it's, 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 where's the eyeballs and like the eyeballs are like when Facebook's dying, it's just, you know, it's, I mean, I, I could have tons of business conversation about that, but <laughs> we'll save that for another time. Yeah. Feel like- I mean, that's, that's my, that's my world for, you know, 20 plus years I was in search and, you know, I like search engines and all kinds of stuff. So I, it's a, it's a world that I really enjoy mm-hmm. and, and I'm in like, so I study the analytics and I study everything. And which is nice because, you know, if it's not going to get in front of dads, yeah. then and they're, they're tough. They are a tough audience to crack. Yeah, you got to get in front of them. We're here talking, hoping that wives talk to their, you know, if you if your audience is more women, we're hoping that the women talk to their husbands, you know, right. so they're, right. a, they're a hard audience to get to. They are. And, you know, because people listening to this are predominantly going to be moms who maybe are saying to their husband, hey, listen to this episode. You know, right. it's interesting. And they're talking about ways that you can be. They can find me on TikTok. <laughs> and they can find you on TikTok or YouTube. I think, I don't know. My husband was like YouTube. It was all YouTube. Yeah. I, think well, I love YouTube also. Yeah. yeah. And you've got a great channel on YouTube. So, Thank you. but people should definitely check out your membership community because I feel like a place that fosters, you know, that vulnerability, that education piece to be able to ask questions and not feel stupid and feel like yeah, it's the norm. No such thing. It's amazing. So yeah. I will leave a link in the show notes for your membership. Yeah, um, but people in general can go to daduniversity.com and soak up all your resources. But I definitely feel like that could be a huge benefit, even in the, uh, the journey of anxiety and OCD. Like if there's a deficit with just emotional understanding and connection and communication, they're not going to be able to help your kids with anxiety or OCD. We have to start right. with the baseline. And, and that's why I wanted to have you on the show, because I feel like providing that foundational baseline of that emotional connection uh, your mindset shifts, all the things that you do yeah. over there are going to help long-term for- Yeah, your- I have a whole course called the Father Mindset. It's like, it's all about so many things from gratitude and from your own beliefs and you know peacefulness and calm. And I just, I tr- and part of it is I just transformed the way that I was thinking and the, what I was doing. And it's just been so much better, you know, so much better for me, so much better for my children, my wife. Yeah. And, and and it's, it wasn't that hard to do. It's just kind of surrendering to the fact that the way that you're doing something might not be working. Right. It's just taking that one step. So people should definitely check out your resources, check out the link in the show notes. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was fun. Yeah. So I hope everyone's enjoying the podcast. If you're enjoying the podcast, don't forget to hit a star on Google play or Stitcher, wherever you consume your podcast. And Don't forget to find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. 